You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. Your host is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. Recommendations and ratings are a dime a dozen for patients looking for more information about a physician or procedure, but finding quality consumer-friendly information that's also reliable can be more of a challenge. What tools can physicians recommend to patients for understanding the implications of both reform and other healthcare matters? Our guest today is Mr. Jim Guest, President and CEO of the nonprofit Consumers Union, which publishes Consumer Reports and ConsumerReportsHealth.org, based in Yonkers, New York. Welcome, Jim. Thanks very much, Jack. Jim, many people know about Consumer Reports for its product ratings, but it's perhaps less often thought of in terms of healthcare. How long has Consumer Reports been involved in the healthcare arena? Well, actually, we've been involved in it since we started back in 1936. We're 74 years old. We've always done product ratings, but we've always been engaged to some extent in the service areas, and especially healthcare, because that takes such a chunk of the family budget. Interestingly, even back in our first issue of May 1936, we did an article on medication. In this case, it was Alka-Seltzer. We checked it out. We found that it did pretty good at plop, plop, fizz, fizz, and not much else. Now, since then, of course, we've gotten much more engaged in more sophisticated medical ratings. We started a health rating center a couple of years ago. I can elaborate on some of the many things we're doing in the area of treatments and drugs and hospital ratings and so forth. So we're, we're taking the same techniques of getting unbiased, credible information that's often coming from a scientific basis, translating it into terms that the average consumer can understand and providing it back using the techniques and the ways of uh, communicating the Consumer Reports has. Very important. And, you know, I guess then in terms of the unique contribution, would you describe what you're doing as compared to this kind of busy field out there of people out there advising everybody on healthcare, oftentimes without any kind of factual basis? You're trying to do this with data-supported reporting, I assume. Absolutely data-supported, and that's what's unique about Consumer Reports. There's a lot of stuff out there, rating hospitals and doctors and so forth, most of it really poor. It's not based on objective data. It's not based on vetted data. We take the same tenacity and thoroughness of our ratings involving healthcare, whether it's providers or products or whatever, the same thoroughness that we use for cars or flat-screen TVs or, or refrigerators, that we do for services in the healthcare area. And that's really important, particularly now as we head into healthcare reform. Now, you and I have uh, been engaged in realizing the status quo of healthcare wasn't going to get the nation any place very positive, and in fact could create a terrible fiscal crisis if we didn't do something about healthcare spending and quality, even though, you know, when it's good, America's healthcare system's terrific. But what has Consumer Reports done to help the worried and confused consumer out there understand what health reform means to them? Well, one of the things people can do is look at the June issue of Consumer Reports, where we we talk about health reform and the next steps and what it means for consumers now in terms of pre-existing conditions or getting their children covered up to the age of 26 or choosing private insurance and so forth. And we also have a website. You mentioned it in the introduction, consumerreportshealth.org. If a consumer goes there, they can click on the reform part of that page. It's got all sorts of other information as well. We explain what's in the health care reform bill, what's taking effect now, what will take effect later on. 
And we also have a, a blog on health reform. We have a terrific reporter by the name of Nancy Metcalf. We have an Ask Nancy blog so people can submit their questions and Nancy answers them. So that's a good place to go because there was lots of confusion. During the debate about what's in the bill, there's lots of confusion of what's there now. One of the strengths, I think, of Consumer Reports is we can sort out the difficult stuff in a way that consumers can understand. That's great. Of course, I'm busy running the American College of Cardiology and involved in health policy. I don't see that many patients these days. But when I did, I didn't often bring up costs of care when I was recommending a particular therapeutic direction. What do you recommend to physicians in terms of bringing up costs between them and their patients and vice versa? Should patients be bringing up costs? Sure. And one of the things that we're encouraging, and I'm actually on a Institute of Medicine roundtable and sharing a subgroup on how do we get better communication between physicians, other medical providers, and patients. And we encourage people to ask questions and not feel that somehow the doc's going to be upset if you ask these questions. We recommend people make a list of what's on your mind before you even go into the doctor's office because you kind of forget when you get in there. And ask around all kinds of things. When a, when a particular treatment option or condition comes up, say, what are the alternatives? What are the risks? There's a whole variety of things that should happen in that conversation. And we, we encourage physicians to be open to it. And I think more and more it's going that direction where it's no longer the physician is the all-knowing authority and nobody dares a question or the physician would object to patients asking questions. Now around cost, I think people more and more are conscious of cost whether it's getting paid by an insurance company or whether you have to pay a deductible or a copay, whatever it would be, I think it's going to be really useful, and I think we're going to see more and more of this going forward, that information about cost, what physicians are charging or hospitals, will become public information, that people are going to pay more attention to it. Certainly, employers who account for a lot of the group health insurance that comes out have an interest in knowing what different physicians and hospitals charge. So hopefully. In fact, when I went to a physician recently, we talked about some treatment options. I asked about the cost, and he told me. So I think there'll be more of that. I think it's really important, and people should not feel embarrassed about it. I guess that's the key thing. That's good. And, you know, and actually, physicians need to know what the costs are. Oftentimes, they don't, and that's part of the problem as well. Absolutely, um, and, it is, yeah. And, you know, it's good to have these kind of discussions. But, you know, by the way, when people make the list, tell them not to put every single food item for the month on that list because and get, to, <laughs> and get into the trends, Jim, if you would. Also, we're hoping that in medical school now, physicians will – that'll be part of what they're exposed to. I think a lot of the long-term reforms we hope to see happen, better listening, better attention to understanding people's pain treatment, for example, or really explaining alternative procedures and being sensitive to cultural differences. I mean, people do have different preferences and different sort of cultural contexts that they come from, that it's really important that physicians listen to that and pay attention to it and respond to it. So it's not only those who are in practice now, but if we could affect in a positive way the next generation of docs coming along. That would be really important. That's right on advice. Right on advice, Jim. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Mr. Jim Guest, president and CEO of the nonprofit Consumers Union, which publishes Consumers Reports and ConsumerReportsHealth.org, based in Yonkers, New York. We're discussing the topic, Doctor as Patient Advocate, Top Tools to Empower Your Patients. You know, you have something called Treatment Traps to Avoid, Jim, that you've come out with recently. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. And as you know well, Jack, anybody who's really informed on the medical system knows that 
there is overuse. I think the Rand Corporation came out with a study a few years ago said, and only about 50% of the time is there the right level of care. Sometimes it's overuse, sometimes it's an overtreatment, sometimes it's undertreatment. But we did an article a couple of years ago, and it's up on the website, I believe, about 10 of the most common overuse tests and treatments, ranging from back surgery, when in most cases you're better off waiting rather than getting surgery right away, to heartburn surgery, to a a number of things, including in the area uh, sometimes of cardiology as well. And those, by, by the way, the notion of sort of angioplasties and coronary stents, in many cases they're necessary, in some cases they're not. In fact, I know that the American College of Cardiology is developing registers to try to get a better feel for when it makes sense to go forward and when not. These high-tech CAT scan non-invasive angiographies can be very expensive when sometimes standard angiography is perfectly sufficient and sometimes not needed at all. We just published in New England Journal the fact that about 60% of the uh, angiography that we measure in the registries, and we get two-thirds of the data in the whole United States coming into Heart House, Mm -hmm. that two-thirds really probably didn't need to happen. I mean, and some of it is worried patients where you can reach out to them because a lot of people demand these services. Well, let's go over some of the healthcare ratings that Consumer Reports publishes and the data that underlies that. You do hospital ratings, you have medication ratings, you have physician ratings. What do you use for data to back up these kinds of uh, services that you provide to consumers? Well, let me take the first one you mentioned for now is hospital ratings. We get data from a number of places. There's data from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the government programs. There's data from an outfit called LeapFrog, the LeapFrog Group. There's some surveys, some standard surveys that get done about hospitals. And also there's the Center of Dartmouth that's collected a lot of information over the years or analyzed information. We did a, a landmark study and publish the results about a year and a half or two years ago about taking people for services at the end of life, you know, chronic diseases mm-hmm. uh, in the last few years of life. Mm-hmm. Some hospitals and some hospitals, they treated very aggressively, lots more doctor visits, lots more specialists brought in, more uses of the intensive care units and so forth. And then other hospitals, which were more conservative, did fewer services. And you know what the result was? You did just as well with the unbalanced, just as well with the conservative treatment than the very aggressive treatment, and I think had a better quality of life. So that's one kind of thing we've done. We also, on hospitals, we undertook a campaign a few years ago to get public reporting of the rates of hospital-acquired infections among different hospitals. There are hospitals in this country where there are no hospital-acquired infections. They made a real effort to do it. Others have not done it. There's a great variation among hospitals. More and more now, that information is being made public, in part because of the work Consumers Union has done. So we publish that information as well. You can find out, is your hospital one where you're highly likely or more likely to acquire an infection, or is it a really safe hospital? So that's another thing that we've done with hospitals, and then also gotten patient satisfaction information as well. All these things, and we're looking for more data, we'll, we'll use more data later on, so you can make an informed choice about where you're going to go if you've got a, a significant hospital stay coming up. I'm really excited that you've got this new partnership with the American Society of Thoracic Surgeons, STS, with their data and their registry. And uh, we'd actually like to see the similar thing happen with the ACC registries coming up so that we can get the information out, both to doctors and to patients, about where we see the best performance and to kind of sort of create a competition and a move toward uh, systematic quality improvement across the country in these areas. Boy, I absolutely agree with you, Jack, because what happens and what we found even with the hospital ratings 
Hospitals don't like to be low in the ratings. They actually set out to improve themselves. The same thing when we rate other products and services at Consumer Reports. People don't want to look badly compared to others. So I think it can be an incentive for the whole field to improve. And again, we're strong believers, and you are too, uh, strong believers in transparency. Give consumers the information they need and want to make informed choices among medical providers and among medical procedures and so forth. So I think that's great. And yes, we're going to publish later this fall information from thoracic surgeons on coronary bypass surgery. And of course, as you're talking about the cardiologist doing the various procedures there, that would also be very useful to have that as public information. So I think that's great, Jack. It'd be great. And you know, the thing is, we physicians, as you know, we also want to be the best and we're very competitive. And what we find is, look, having data measure to manage. When physicians see the data and they know it's credible data, I mean, we act on it. So that's what's exciting about doing this. And I want to ask you about physician ratings in general. How do you approach physician ratings? How can you do that with all these sources of data in a way that works effectively? And what what are your plans in these regards for the physician listeners out there? Well, physician ratings are tough, and there's a lot of their ratings out there. And I don't think there really are any good, credible ratings about physicians right now. It's because, again, I agree with you, we believe in basing things on data. Now, the, you mentioned the Society of Thoracic Surgeons. They've actually had registries. They collect data. It's vetted, to some extent, peer-reviewed, and so forth. And I know that the um, ACC, the American College of Cardiology, is doing the same thing. So what we look for is actual data that's unbiased, and we do our really rigorous consumer reports analysis of whether the information is biased or unbiased. There's not a lot of information available now, but under health reform, there's going to be more and more information that the government has and eventually that I think insurance companies and insurance plans have that will become public so you can actually do real analysis more than just somebody said, I had a happy experience, therefore this must be a great surgeon. Well, we'll work with you to make sure that we're using clinical data, we're being objective, we're sharing the data in a fair fashion, and that we work together on improving quality of care in the future. We've been discussing top tools physicians can recommend to empower their patients. Our guest today was Mr. Jim Guest, President and CEO of Consumers Union, and we were speaking about top tools physicians can recommend to empower their patients. Jim, thank you for being our guest today. This was a most important conversation. Well, very happy to do it, and I look forward to working with you for getting more and transparent information out for consumers. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.